Welcome back to yet another episode of Rabbit Hole Stories. Today we had Susie Violet Ward, I think is her full name, um, on Rabbit Hole Stories today. Um, I first heard about Susie when I came across one of her articles in City AM newspaper. And I think then I was like, Joel, have you seen this article in the mainstream media? And then it was Susie. And then immediately then we were talking about maybe getting her on as a guest here. Do you remember that? Yeah, and I mean, what a, what a great way to get a guest in because we really talked about different yeah. topics. Obviously, we covered CBDCs. I think that's the, the big one in the, the elephant in the room with um, her fantastic article. Right. Um, but we also covered a lot of um, sort of niche things like um, we spoke about misogyny in Bitcoin, um, which is yeah. still still there, even though no one wants to admit it. Uh, we spoke about energy. We spoke right. about renewables. So we had quite a broad uh, talk with Susie, but I think it was a good one. No, it was a, it was a lovely one. And um, she's a lefty at heart, um, but she wants to keep an open mind regardless of her political bent. Um, she likes to keep her eye on the landscape and just still ask those critical questions. Um, so yeah, she's she's a fully non-Bitcoin, big into the space. Uh, it's fully orange pilled. It's done some important work in the uh, legacy media with two articles for CEAM. Um, and it was great after I first saw that article and we were talking about it. She was then on um, was it GB News? Mm. And then um, she's been quite active in the Twitter sphere um, since then. Um, and she's sort of becoming more and more prevalent in the Bitcoin space. So it's nice to sort of see somebody representing, um, you know, the progressive side of Bitcoin. Because you've got a book coming out shortly, The Progressive Case of Bitcoin. There's more progressives coming into the space now. So if this is something you're interested in, this will be the episode for you. So I hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, and let's go down the rabbit hole with Susie. Let's do it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of Rabbit Hole Stories. We've got our usual, uh, my usual co-host with me today, Joel, and also our guest here today is Susie. Hi, Susie. Hello. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, I'm brilliant, thank you. And apologies if you hear shouting. I'm looking after the kids, so I have Please, told. Please, I know, I know. My uh, my stepdaughter is under strict orders to be as quiet as possible. But only a minute ago, I could hear her clanking around outside the room. So, no. um, yeah. So, Joel. Uh, yeah, I know. Kids will be kids, eh? <laughs> um, Susie. Um, do you want to spend a couple of minutes just introducing yourself, letting us let the um, listeners uh, understand who you are and where you're coming from, and um, we we'll go from there. Okay, so um, I, st I started off my career as an accountant. Well, actually, I started off in McDonald's. I'm waiting for that meme. And I started off as an accountant, and then I became a, a financial analyst and a developer for a planning system called Cognos. But working for an insurance company was just soul-destroying, and you just end up watching the clock you just can't bear right. it and you just start questioning everything so <laughs> I had an opportunity to um retrain because my system was dying um and retrain onto Oracle um another SaaS solution but I chose not to and took redundancy so I have okay. decided I don't want to go back to that and I've been working in the Bitcoin space just trying to research and write uh, as as much as possible to learn as much as possible so I can try and find a job in Bitcoin. I, I just want to work with Bitcoin. 
What, what's made you want to just work with Bitcoin? What was your kind of moment of like, I, you know what, I want to dedicate my working life to towards um, Bitcoin? Uh, what is it? it? Well, I suppose once you start learning about it and you start to understand that there are so many different angles. Mm. There's the philosophy to it. There's the technology. There's the capability. And you start rather than watching Netflix in the evening, you're watching YouTube and you just want to read about it. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, isn't yeah, it? And then yeah. you think, well, I can't believe that I'm doing this. I can't believe that I'm just watching Bridgerton for <laughs> um, you know, There's nothing wrong with Bridgerton. Bridgerton's <laughs> <laughs> great. It yeah, is. I, I mean smart. I did manage to fit that in, in the end. But. Yeah, yeah. You can multitask, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um so yeah, just just love learning about it, and I realised that while I was researching, writing, learning, it didn't feel like work. Mm, mm. It felt like a purpose, and so therefore, I just felt like there was nothing else I wanted to do. Yeah, it's right. You know, it, it does feel like a purpose. It feels like that for me, and I think a lot of people I speak to about Bitcoin, it does become a lifestyle. It becomes. Um, something that you just want to consume and and you you get enjoyment from consuming it and it's you know it's never ending this rabbit hole <laughs> and um yeah my my viewing hours on netflix have definitely gone by the wayside um and a lot of time my phone's just sort of like talking to me from um twitter spaces or youtube on the go you know it's all the content is always sort of in the background turning over so it's always an opportunity for learning more about Bitcoin. And the more you learn about Bitcoin, the more you want to learn. Um, well, you realise you don't know anything. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And there's so much stuff you have to unlearn from your life mm. when you discover Bitcoin. And that's a journey in of itself, right? Because mm. you have to think, oh, shit, you have to rethink stuff and re reflect on how you f first originally thought about it. And there's just a whole load of avenues that you can go down with it. Yeah, it is. It's endless. It really is endless. And there's so many possibilities. Yeah, and in a way it humbles you, doesn't it? Because just like you said, you, you, you never stop learning about it, uh, which is, I think, one of the many reasons probably for a lot of normies we look quite weird. Because we are quite <laughs> eager to like Speak for yourself, expand. Joel. <laughs> we go, well, I, I mean, if I... I don't talk to friends or family about it anymore. My mm. work, old work colleagues, I swear they've disowned me. Right. <laughs> That's all right. We used well, to invite me up lunches and they don't anymore. <laughs> oh, well. Their loss. Speaking of work, then, Susie, um, f funnily enough, we actually reached out to you because of your article about CBDCs mm. in City AM, how uh, Bitcoin can potentially be a net positive for the environment. And I'm saying potentially because that's sort of more or less, I think, the lines you used in the article as well. Yes. We got to write a bit normal, right? We know that it's a net positive for like most people out there don't know yet. Um, was writing always something you were into? Did that evolve out of your previous job as accounting, analyzing? Um, or was that just something you picked up along the lines and possibly you want to do in the future with Bitcoin companies? Interestingly, while I was working as a financial analyst, I wanted a creative outlet. So mm. I uh, started writing children's books. I don't know if you can see the pictures. Oh, yeah. So I've written a couple of children's books and, and that's how I started writing. Um, and then... I just I just moved on really uh, after everything that I was consuming sometimes I just get 
with with regards to Bitcoin, I'd get like a bubble in my tummy. And if Mm. I couldn't write it down, I'd feel like I was going to pop. And the only way that I could uh, just go over exactly what I'd learned and reconfirm exactly what it was that I was thinking and the ideas that I had was to write it down. It was almost like a like a detox. Otherwise, it would drive me insane. So that's why I started writing that that article that I wrote about uh, Bitcoin potentially saving the environment. I wrote last April, and then I went to the um, Bitcoin Collective uh, conference in Edinburgh and found out all the best people yeah. went there. I was I was meant to go there, and I was because yeah, you're I, fucking I, f- you're, you're oh fucked up who got God. COVID two days before I coming. Did get COVID. I fucking <laughs> and I, I've, I've got that. I, I'm, I, yeah, I think I've got that in Amsterdam. So yeah, I've got the lurky out there and it stopped me. Sorry, go on. Sorry, Susie. That is annoying. So so I went there and I saw this, that there was a, a, an environmental panel. And I didn't mm. know that environmental Bitcoins existed. I thought that they were all um, meat-eating, um, you know, stereotypes. <laughs> I mean, there is a stereotype, isn't there? There is, yeah. Uh, like <laughs> Unfortunately. Oils, which you agree with. Um, you know, uh, kind of undertones of misogyny, perhaps. Undertones? Know. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's pretty awful. Right. I was trying to be nice, but the thing is, is I, I, I just, I, the funny thing is, is I, I've blocked so many people because I don't want to engage um, with, with that side of it. Yeah. And and um, and now I, when I go on Twitter spaces, I see them all on there. I said, blocked, <laughs> blocked, blocked. And I'm like, oh, God. So they still show up if they're blocked on Twitter spaces. I never noticed that. But it says, are you sure you want to join this Twitter space? Somebody oh, okay. you've blocked is on it. And oh, I'm like, okay, oh, okay. God, here we go. Um, yeah, so when I found out that there were a group of um, environmentalist Bitcoiners, I was blown away. Mm, and yeah. that panel was incredible mm. because the article that i wrote was how bitcoin could potentially save the environment and then all of a sudden it became how it is saving mm-hmm. the environment mm-hmm. and i had no idea that the, the ideas and the thoughts that i'd had were actually happening so yes. i rewrote the article and updated it with all the information that i'd learned at the at the conference and then did some extra research and, and oh, nice. the rest of the who is who is on that panel so who was on that panel? I'm just looking it up now. Uh, Margot. Oh, Margot. Yeah, of course she was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's pretty Margot's cool. I like, I like Margot. Margot is incredible. It was Margot Obi, the guy from the Texas Mining Mar- Council. Okay. 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 Yeah, uh, was it uh, Mark from, was it Skill Mining? Was it... Oh, yeah, exactly. The one from the Irish um, yes, gas mining yeah, thing. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I'll link it in now. the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Link them in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, so you go. Please go ahead. No, I I thought you were going to ask a question. Actually, were you about to ask me something? You said, "Were you the?" I, I was just about to ask. Yeah, were you the one? I think was it the first day? Someone in the audience quite early on actually asked something about an other event going on at the same time. And I thought, did you basically what I'm trying to ask or find out is, did you wear a pink jumper the first day? <laughs> You've got stalker no. vibes now. No, okay, Joe. that's oh, not on. you then. <laughs> the face looks familiar. <laughs> no, on, I yeah. had, I was wearing... Um, uh, a red I had carnation. Heart, no, hearts, heart-tinted glasses, because I've got ADHD, so wearing tinted glasses really helps yeah, yeah, with yeah. ADHD. Yeah. So I was wearing heart glasses, so that that's quite easily distinguishable. 
then I think I did see you. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't link it correctly in my head. But um, so that's an interesting point. You basically, when did you discover Bitcoin then? So uh, it's really difficult to know, actually, because it was such a gradual thing and it starts so gently, doesn't it? It's just like mm. a little seed that gets Catches planted on in you. your brain and you're not really sure. But I, I would probably, um, I'd probably say I was very late. It was maybe uh, early 2021, maybe, because I was going through the trauma of homeschooling and um trying to work at the same time so I didn't really have uh, any life during that period right <laughs> yeah. and and that discover that discovery um while you were at home surrounded by your kids trying to educate them you still managed to find bitcoin in all that noise um and I suppose yeah. did, did you did you manage to find some time to yourself at all um during that lockdown where you could actually really sort of dig dig a bit deeper or is it just sort of like uh, any opportunity you can get you just you just Laura, i'm going to bed i'm gonna watch this instead of um Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's a new season coming up by the way <laughs> oh yeah. my god I did, I did once again i did find time to watch that eventually <laughs> there you go <laughs> brilliant but um, 2021, that's uh, I think that's an interesting year because a lot of people, either it was on the outer skirt of the pandemic or it was like some of what happened in the pandemic read them, uh, led them to discovering Bitcoin, either through reading like the Bitcoin standard or whatever. Um, but you sort of did it as a, I guess, as a side hobby. I imagine sitting in bed or sitting on the couch at night, finding yeah. that stuff, getting into it. Um mm -hmm. How quickly did it lead you to the course of environmentalism? Because not a lot of people actually draw that conclusion with Bitcoin. The first thing is like, I'm trying to make money from it. And then maybe you discover energy or different topics. Uh, so quite quickly, actually, because the, the ethos of my children's book ha has an environmental twist. So it's something that's that's been very um, important to me because I've, I've, my kids' books are about cockroaches and they're the planet's recyclers. And so I tried to put an environmental twist in that so it's always something that I've been focused on and um I remember speaking to Mar Margot is such she's such an amazing lady so I spoke to her at the conference and I said look I don't know what to do I, I gave up my job I, I'm trying to find where I belong um I, don't, I just don't know what to do and she said right okay she showed me that I could book some time with her in her diary and oh, wow. she allowed me to book half an hour of her time so we could just talk through some stuff and just learning that there was a whole group of people just mm -hmm. like her gave me that um that that confirmation that that was the route that I should be taking that's amazing I find uh with most bitcoiners especially ones I've come across um, forget all the, the noise of misogyny and all the toxicity on, on Twitter. It too? It's not just me, is it? It's absolutely not just you, no. Okay. <laughs> but um, I find most Bitcoiners will invest a lot of their own time in mm. helping other people who are willing to sort of um, understand and learn a bit. They, they, they invest quite a lot of time in doing that. And it just speaks um, volumes that Margot will, you know, allocate some time of hers to sort of help you out. And I think that's a general ethos amongst Bitcoiners. I don't know if you found the same, Susie. Well, that, that's a true Bitcoiner, isn't it? That's true. Yeah. What is a not true Bitcoiner in your mind? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, uh, or is there a thing? As yeah, 
it's hard. It, it, there's different grades, aren't there? And and, and different. Um, I do find some of the Twitter celebs mm. a little bit. Uh, you do wonder if it's more about their ego mm. rather than the <laughs> yes. cause. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that that sometimes it makes me wonder where they're at in their journey and how how genuine they are. Um, But then it takes all sorts, doesn't it? And uh, Mm. I guess we need people like that to get out there. I think it's a bit of a, obviously it's a philosophical question to like, how far do you want to go in life and what are your overall goals? But uh, we actually spoke about this, Ian and I, before we decided that we launched a podcast because like, you know, okay, we all listen to like, Michael Saylor and all of these big names but at the end of the day it's always the same thing really mm-hmm. um, and everyone obviously has their expertise and it helps with like guiding people towards them but um, I personally have much more respect for like the, the single working mum who manages to put 200 quid a month into Bitcoin than the billionaire who made his money off a big public company and who just happened to discover Bitcoin during the who pandemic. Who are you so I think- to Joel? I don't know. It could be anyone, right? Um, <laughs> I, I, so I sort of go about this this way. Neither is sort of bad for the other, but I, I get where you're going. I think a lot of people are ego driven. But again, I think this is one of the things Bitcoin can't fix. Um, we yeah, can't Bitcoin fix can't, human can't, greed. Bitcoin right? can't fix people, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's true. Um, mm. But but I do like to think that Bitcoin is generally not. Uh, they're, they're not as they're not as motivated by money as you would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think I think a lot of Bitcoiners who stay in the space and they um, identify as Bitcoiners, like myself, and I think like most people, they got into Bitcoin for the gains. They thought, oh, there's a bit of a opportunity to maybe make a little bit of money here. So for me personally, that's what I did. I dabbled in trying to make a little bit of money, and then the more I read about it, the more I thought actually it's a bit more than just making money here. There are other ways maybe to make money, but with Bitcoin, this is something different. And I think the people that are invested in Bitcoin in in that regard, that they're they're a you know they're a um. It, it changes your mindset. It changes your the way you see the world and the and the future opportunities that Bitcoin can bring. Um, and, and, and when you start to realise it's everything's based on a lie, because essentially yeah. that's that's where you're going. And yeah. you've got children, or you maybe want to bring children into the world, then the weight of that responsibility of that knowing, yeah, absolutely, makes you realise that you have to do something. You've also mm-hmm. got, a, I think, a lot of people that don't like the world uh, the way it is today, other than just the fiat money. So maybe it, the, be it the politics that are, uh, or the, the direction of the way po- politics are going, um, or other topics around uh, not not directly linked to money, uh, where people see that um, their ideology can come to fruition in some way under a Bitcoin standard. So I think mm-hmm. there is you know, um, some motivation politically with, with some people as well. I think a very good example I have for a lot of these um, Bitcoin Twitter or Bitcoin Noster, depending on which way you want to go. I loved your tweet, by the way. I loved yeah, that one. That one is a whole different topic. <laughs> yeah. But um, you stirred up a hornet's nest, I think. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we have to be honest, we live in a fucking bubble of maybe 50 million people who have access to Bitcoin and not everyone mm. who's not in that bubble is going to download Nostra immediately. Like how you don't see this as a human being, I don't know. But again, mm. um, that's more of the ego crazy, speaking. Yeah, it's crazy. But, but hold on. Uh, uh, sorry, go on. Joe, I finish your point. But, but picking up on that point... Um, I think a lot of it is uh, attention driven. We live in an attention society where essentially fiat money in a way is obsolete and we converted it into who's got the most attention online. And obviously um, that misogyny you mentioned beforehand, I think it's a typical thing, whether you go to a pop or onto Bitcoin Twitter, if one guy says like, I don't know, um, this woman makes more because she shows her tits or whatever, um, this is naturally going to get more attention than just saying like, oh, I think she's actually quite clever. And, you know, all of these things. It's just typical, um, typical monkey mind stuff, monkey brain shit that we engage with as human beings, because that's apparently the only thing we learned the past 10 years to like sit in front of these screens and scroll and like all the time. To me, that's what a lot of these Bitcoin celebs, as you call them, um, are very good at doing. They very much know which kind of things to poke people at. To get the most likes out of it, unfortunate, but that's um, quite a big reality. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. yeah, there's quite a lot of dick swinging going along in Bitcoin. We need we need more diversity. Uh, we need we need. Well, see, if you say something like that, it's almost treated like a threat. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't I don't think um, I don't think that's it's understood that actually that brings more to the table when you have lots of different cultures you have different genders you have different backgrounds you have different mindsets you have different ways of thinking and when you've got multiple different ways of thinking you can all approach the same problem with many many different solutions but you can't do that if we're all the same yeah mm. of course mm. so for example i i had a uh, twitter out i mean it wasn't a twitter out it was um while i was writing this cbdc uh, article What's the, what's the picture you're pointing to? What's what's that? This one. Yeah, go on. What is that? That have you not seen that picture? It's beautiful. It's um, you'll you'll see it on the second article that I wrote. It's right at the top. Okay. I think my thing's a bit grainy. I'm so sorry about the quality. I I should have should have forced my way into my husband's laptop, shouldn't I? Um, <laughs> but I was having this this disagreement uh, about whether or not it's okay to eat bugs. So obviously mm. uh, we know that the World Economic Forum is pushing people, pushing people to... Yep. And I, I said, I don't have a problem with eating bugs if it's out of choice. A lot of cultures eat bugs. Um, I've been to Thailand and I've seen them like on lovely street food, looking all crispy and lovely. On sticks, and yeah. <laughs> see why um, they eat them. You know, if they're, they're bred in the right way and you're not eating them because you have to, because you're poor, while there's lots of rich people eating steak, then I just don't see the problem. And it wasn't, it didn't go down well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that something like that doesn't go down well. I, I think um, I I put a tweet out. Um, it must have been last year now, and it was all about what did I say? Um, can we talk about Pepe the Frog? You know, because you get there are lots of people um, having like their profile pictures with Pepe the Frog, and there's a lot of sort of connotations, or you know, there's apparently. Uh, a community online that is quite far right um, that is associated with the uh, image of Pepe the Frog, which was appropriated from the original artist and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I just sort of asked the question, I was like, is it kind of doing anything for Bitcoin? Is it 
is it helpful and oh my fucking god did it blow up um and yeah but then then again i like to with my twitter questioning bitcoin i do tend to ask questions that I, I think most or some people wouldn't um tend to ask because they might be hesitant of of the the comeback or the mm. sort of it shouldn't uh, be a comeback. it should yeah. just be embraced that different people have different points of view but sometimes they don't realize that they're caught in their own echo chamber and doing the very thing that they 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 think other people are doing and they slag them off for not having the vision or the foresight to see what they're talking about. Yet they're kind of contained in their own little bubble. It's weird. Yeah, it is a little bit weird. Yeah. And I, I've said this before once already a couple of times, maybe if you were open and mind enough to be uh, discover Bitcoin, you should be open and mind enough for other people's opinions. A hundred percent. And just accept that they might be different to you. Just because you, you like Bitcoin doesn't mean that you have to. I mean, you could be a vegetarian and like Bitcoin. That's okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it's only I mean I'm a lefty. I'm a lefty libertarian. And and it's really difficult being in this space as a female lefty libertarian. Like everyone is a libertarian, obviously, but being a female lefty, it just doesn't seem to sit right with their ethos and I find it really uncomfortable. But I think that has a lot that has a lot to do with like the the persuasion of libertarianism because libertarians in europe and libertarians in america is a totally different ball game right because <laughs> let's face it libertarians in america are tending to lean more right i'm not saying like they're right-wing extremists or anything but just on a on a scale of things the scale would tip a bit more right where i would argue europe our scale would tip a bit more left. And actually, when you were mentioning the whole thing, like your left leaning and women, women and all of that stuff, um, I just thought to another conversation I had on uh, another social platform a couple of weeks ago, where I was like, who the fuck cares what you are if you enjoy being pro or even against Bitcoin? Because there was someone in that discussion heavily against it. We're talking about it. That's the overall goal. When was the last time that we all sat in front of our laptops, probably at the same time or our smartphones and sort of writing about fiat money? Probably never, because like no one gives a shit what's going on with our currencies. So at the end, except if you're like a bank or whatever. Um, but when did that last time happen? And I think that's the magic behind Bitcoin. But a lot mm. of people, unfortunately, in the Bitcoin ecosystem tend to forget that. Um, but which is why we're here, right, Ian? We're trying to we're trying to be the spark in that conversation and get it started again. I'm not we're trying because that's not cool, is it? No one needs that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, aren't you subject to like change your opinion about things? This is what's quite mind-boggling to me personally, uh, that so many Bitcoiners are quite stern uh, in their own beliefs and in their own um, opinions yeah. they put out there. Yeah, I even I had this conversation with my son on the school run coming um, on the way back, and I said, well, "Changing your mind is good. It means that yeah. you've learned something. It means that you it's growth. You know, people are stubborn and they st- they they refuse to change their mind. It's it's." It's unhealthy. Absolutely. Talking of unhealthy. Go on. Is that a good segue into CBDCs? Yes, I was just about to ask the same thing. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe what you found today. That was unbelievable. What did you find, Joel? Oh, that thing on Twitter you put out earlier um, about the Bank of England. Yes, I mean... Th- Please explain. <laughs> quick backstory to the listeners. Um, 
obviously, as you do, like last minute research before you go on to a podcast interview or generally a show, um, I was just looking. Yeah, obviously, I'm doing research. I'm having research <laughs> of all of our guests, Ian. Um, I have folders within folders on my laptop where I deliberately line up what I'm going to ask. No, obviously not. <laughs> obviously not. Um, but I was looking basically for Susie's interview with GB News. And, you know, I did the natural thing. I went on YouTube, I put in your name and the first two videos that popped up, one, I think, was the entire interview by, no, one was like the, the short version of the interview by GB News. And the second mm -hmm. one was from your personal channel, like the whole entire interview you put out there. And then I kept scrolling because like, oh, maybe they're putting something else out there. Maybe there's discussion. And immediately the next three or four videos were by the Bank of England released or uploaded 14 days ago which roughly hit about the same time you were on gb news oh, yeah. yeah are they talking about how cbdc's are not bad don't worry we're not going to take your money away and basically counteracting every argument under the sun that susie gave in her interview and that sparked so somehow like the the rabbit hole monkey mind in my own brain where I went online. I was like, okay, looking at these videos, these are not like regular videos. These appear to be either placements, so ads, or big tech, YouTube, Google, which is known to work with, quite closely with governments, has placed them there on purpose. So I went into like Google ads to check the keyword CBDCs. Long and behold, to actually buy a slot for that keyword, which is what you do if you buy online ads, you would have to pay a massive premium what to... How much do you pay per click? I think it was like eight bucks or something. Stop it. Yeah, it was quite high. It was quite high. Well, it was eight bucks for uh, per CPM, so per thousand impressions. But I mean, you can, you can do the math there. If you it's have cool. a 10% yeah. conversion rate of that, that's quite a high <laughs> click rate. Um... Ian, I'll explain yeah. it to you later in a Telegram message. I don't have time for that now. No, no, I'll give it. I'm, look, Jesus <laughs> Christ, I'm, I'm, I'm old, Joel, but come on, give me some credit. <laughs> but essentially, I was like, holy fuck, they're outbidding or they set up a campaign just to counter narrative a, what was it, Susie, like a 10, 12 minute interview with GB News? It was a 12 minute clip, yeah. And isn't that crazy? And I put a tweet out with like the screenshot. I tagged everyone. I was like, are we winning or are we winning? Because if the Bank of England is really afraid, and that's obviously quite a lot of opinions I'm putting into that my, on my <clears> end, <throat> but isn't that crazy to see that they go these kind of lengths just to prevent people from maybe, maybe seeing dangers to the CBDC spectrum? Because like, it's not like every newspaper is writing in capital letters, don't buy CBDCs, quite the opposite. A lot of them encourage it. Yeah, they, they have no fucking clue what it know. is. That's what's so crazy about it. So they're, they're willing to pay an extortionate premium for, for, for something like that. I mean, I've, I've, I've run ads before. I, I you know, I, I know the kind of roughly how much it costs. And that, that is, you're probably only looking at about a dollar per thousand impressions. Like if that. Maybe if it's competitive, two or three bucks, but eight bucks, between six and eight bucks is quite Who's high. Paying for that? Who's paying for that? And, and also, why <laughs> is <are>. it necessary? <laughs> yeah. Why is it necessary when no fucker knows? Yeah, exactly. Nobody knows. You go out into the street and you speak to anybody. Mm, yeah. Anyone who isn't into Bitcoin, they haven't got a fucking clue. It just goes shit. They're starting already. They're, you know, they're willing to throw money at this 
early on and they're going to continue to throw more 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 and more money at it because they, they're closest to the printer right so it doesn't matter to them <laughs> they're the ones that are never going to pay for this we're the ones that are going to have to to pay the this sort of uh, counter argument back and if anyone thinks that we're not in there going to fight you stage then well this this might be an example of that read the article in the daily telegraph god forbid if you want to read the daily telegraph but it says Bitcoin in one of the sentences which the Chancellor set in his statements and very cleverly, they're actually calling the CBTC Britcoin. Britcoin. So they're, they're yeah. doing very much from a PR perspective. I think you mentioned that in your Quite interview, a lot of stuff, you, right? mm. I did, it's disgusting. I, I can't believe that they want to muddy the waters like that. Well, of course I, want, I can believe that they want to, but it's just so dishonest. Mm, mm. I mean, it's politicians at the end of the day, so it's not shocking. I don't, yeah. You'd like to think that they're human beings that have to live in this world too. That's what really confuses me about it, because mm. whatever policy, policies they implement now are going to affect them. I mean, I know there'll be two different types. There'll be a mm. retail and there'll be a wholesale. But once they're back out and they're not in politics anymore, they will be subject to the same rules. Exactly. And I mean, the crazy thing is the extortion that's going on behind the scenes, because a lot of my friends and even clients I know are part of the modern payment world. And what I mean by that, they may be like an infrastructure for Visa or they may be playing along mm. with like certain points. And every one of them is, of course, we don't want CBDCs. Mm. But if we say no, they're going to fucking cut us off. You know, we, we can't do our service where we pay our bills. And I think that is sort of the rat race where we as Bitcoiners can come in and say, like, take a deep breath. First of all, it's, it's issued by a government authority. So they're going to fuck mm. it up in the first stage. We yeah. still have time, but we have to react now. But yeah, I get if if people know what a CBDC is and they're probably in the industry and they're afraid, but they sort of playing along because they also have their paycheck. I think that's even worse if you're mm. sort of part of the system and you don't really want to play along, but you're not courageous enough to get out of that system and maybe even join the other side. Isn't that why we are where we are? Isn't mm. that how they mm. were able to do what they did to us during that's lockdown? That's a good point. Yeah, that's true. People just keep their head down and let the shit fly over. They never want to stand up for anything. It's too hard. It amazes First me, though, the tolerance of people, though, that, or not the tolerance, but I don't know there's so much shit that's happening in the world right now. And people just seem to be just like getting on with it like nothing's happening. I'm, mm. I'm surprised that there hasn't been more civil unrest, to be honest, right now. I don't know. <laughs> that's, what, that's the thing. It's that the, the government, the only thing governments have, is, is perception management. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's all they have. Everything else is hanging on by a thread. There is nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Do you think normal people, I say normal people, non-Bitcoiners, do you think they start, they're really seeing the cracks and maybe sort of like feeling a bit uncomfortable with things at the moment? Or do you think just people are just too busy in their hamster's wheel trying to sort of survive day to day? Both. Yeah. Both. Mm. I, th I think mm. I think it's creeping in to mm. people's psyches. Um, but the system is set up to keep people time poor, so you can't pay attention. Yes. Yeah, that's a good. You point. don't have time to read. I mean, how much do we have we read and <laughs> watched and learned to come to this conclusion? Yeah. Which makes yeah. you think, like, uh, 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 I'm privileged enough to have found that time. Uh, and as uh, have been able to adapt my life somewhat in order to do that and invest a bit more in time in in understanding Bitcoin. But you know, there's a lot of people out there who are you know um, 
robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know, mm-hmm. living paycheck to paycheck. Um, they just don't have the time. It's too stressful. Like, I think I, I used to be in severe debt years ago. I was struggling. I was to keep my head above above water. I was stuck well into the whole fiat world. Um, and, you know, even then, all I was focused on um, was trying to make ends meet. And I think... You've got to. Yeah. It's survival, isn't it? You've got no choice. And I think that they rely on that. It's they almost do. by design. But then I do see people on the train sometimes paying Candy Crush. And I think, what the fuck are you doing with your time? Mm. Read, the, read the Bitcoin Wait. standard. Read 21, everything divided by 21 million. <laughs> do <Read> something. something. <laughs> do There's something. something useful in your brain. But don't sit there either doom scrolling or playing some shitty game that's going to not serve you in any way, shape or form. I think social, that, that med- social media is kind of dumbed us down a little bit i think it's kind of made us a little bit more short-term focused um and we we just want gratification um and distraction rather than ha- uh, working harder to learn something new um mm. that's that's i think what the challenge is that we have in bitcoin but why does it grip some people and not others that's what i can't work out. yeah i'm curious about that and i haven't quite worked that out you got a theory yeah go on joe i'll share I wanted to go uh, let Susie go ahead first, but like I think a lot of us, that's what we discovered when we had the um, podcast. Now, every guest we had on, in some shape or form, either tragedy or life-changing events, led them to to Bitcoin. And what I mean by life-changing event, it can literally be like you said, Susie, like. I fucking hate my job. I want to see, I, I want to have a different worldview. I want to do something different in my life. Uh, yeah. tragedy, tragedy always is like banking rails cut off. Someone dies because you didn't have money, mm. whatever. Um, I think you have to go to some form of tragedy first to discover it. I think homeschooling could have been my breaking point. I yeah. mean, <laughs> Literally. Work, working and homeschooling two children. Mm. It, I, it, it, it literally killed me. The amount of health problems that I got during that time. And that's another thing that I don't think is ever addressed. I mean, I got shingles. I ended up getting x-ray, you know, like all the kind right. of little things that come out when you're stressed. Mm-hmm. I, I ended up being diagnosed with, oh God, I know this isn't a medical, but diagnosed with a, um, an autoimmune disease called Hashimoto's, which now I'm on, I've got to take 100 milligrams of thyroxine. All these things broke during that time. Right. And I don't think I'm alone. I think a mm-hmm. lot of people broke during that time. Yeah. And that's gotcha. not discussed. That's not talked about. It's swept under the carpet. That's very true. And if if it didn't break you physically, it broke you mentally. Because like, yeah. look, I mean, that's the thing that really upsets me because I used to work in the media landscape and still a lot of my friends are like, after three years of essentially locking people in and out for um, an overreaction to something which we could have managed differently, they go like, I can't believe we have so many health issues. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? We locked people, kids in for like months on end. Tell them if you go outside your door, you're going to die, which is another fear in itself, well, you're gonna right? Kill your granny. Yeah, or you're going to kill your granny. Outside of your half an hour, you're a murderer. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if that is the, if that's the common ground, if that's like the baseline, obviously people are going mental or getting physically ill. And I think a lot of that was a really positive event for Bitcoin as well. Because if you think about it, if you look at the Bitcoin price chart, and I know you shouldn't compare it to price and everything, but that's what people do. If you look (laughs) at like all the peaks in the bull markets, 
all were either a very good economic time where like stuff was thriving, more businesses were getting on, whatever. And then there was always a sudden abrupt in a macro landscape. And these events naturally lead to trauma, whether it be mm. physical damage, uh, mental damage, or whether it literally be like, fuck, I need to get out of my job because I hate working here. All of the peaks and then the sudden falls I bet if you ask every Bitcoin, if you had the chance in the world, they'd all say like, yeah, around that time, something in my life changed or I did realize X, Y and Z. Didn't matter when they started or when they uh, discovered Bitcoin, but that probably is one of the moments where people got on board easily, which means if you want to get like 8 billion people onto Bitcoin, all of them are going to have massive trauma in the next couple of years. But if yeah. that leads oh us to a more potential world, why not? Yeah. All roads lead to Bitcoin. Yeah, it's true. They, they really do. And the only good thing that I can see coming out of um, this CBDC implementation, mm -hmm. which I think you're right, ultimately will fail. Um, but in the meantime, we have to raise awareness is that it will normalize wallets and Mm -hmm. um, digital currencies and it will get people used to that concept. And I think that once they're used to that concept, it won't be a big jump to jump to a money that is outside of government control that you can send to anybody with a mobile phone. That's a good point. I mean, what's not to like? So the government are essentially going to shoot themselves in the foot by making it easy and then <laughs> that's it. I think so. I don't think they realise either. And I think a lot of people in government, I just don't think that they're... What do they know, really? I mean, you've got to know so much stuff, haven't you, mm. to work in government? How can you possibly know everything you need to know at that level of detail? It's impossible. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, it has to fit into the modern world. If you've ever had a chance to take a peek behind the curtain how the modern financial system works... It's You're clunky getting, fuck, isn't it? It's, it's clunky as fuck. I mean, they're, they're literally high street <laughs> banks are called high street banks because they save a lot of their IT infrastructure still to tape. There's still a guy, probably 75 years old, working in IT because he's the only guy who knows how to enter that line of code to keep the system alive. How yep. are you going to implement that onto a blockchain? No, impossible. Um, it doesn't even Impossible. have to be a blockchain either. That's a crock of shit. It can be a database. Yeah. But you know what? I went into the post office yesterday, right, to post <laughs> a parcel to Canada. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking to myself, I bet something's not going to be right. There's going to be something mm. that I've missed. It's going to, you know, there's always that nagging thing at the back. You know, this isn't going to go through. I'm not going to walk out of the post office feeling satisfied that I've ticked this job off my list, right? Right. And I walked in after trying to use the self-service thing and not being able to find the oh, right... Oh, they're so bad, those self-service <laughs> things. I couldn't Ugh. find... Well, that's why you walk in and it's soul-destroying. Like, the whole environment is just soul-crushing. Yeah. And then I thought, right, I'm going to get this done and I'm going to go to the self-service, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do this. And I couldn't find the um, international sticker that I needed for the parcel. So I'd lost my place in the queue. I had to go to the back of the queue and I'm like, it's all right, I've got time, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Come on, you can do this, you can do this. And I really was psyching myself up. You know, you just like, come on, stay Like the typical me, yeah, yeah, yeah. hanging there with like the cat post. <laughs> was, you, was you having a conversation with your anxiety like I do? <laughs> just, it's okay, yeah, yeah. it's okay. It's all good, you're going to come out, it's going to be fine. You're going you're gonna to get it done, it's going to be a massive win. You've posted a parcel, you've done it. And so I end up getting to the cashier and he's like, 
we can't post internationally at the moment. I'm <laughs> like, you fucking kidding me. What? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just didn't understand what you said. You say you can't. You you're a post office. You you can't post to this for me. Mm. Is that what you're saying? Mm. I mean, I thought of all the things that were going to go wrong. I thought, I thought, <laughs> not being able to post it was not going to be the thing that was going to trip me up, right? And then he said, "We've had a cyber attack, and we haven't been able to post anything internationally for six weeks." And I'm wow. like, "Wow!" Didn't you know? No, I fucking didn't know. I would have been <laughs> queuing here in this hellhole if I'd have known that, <laughs> would I? <laughs> and and I, surely somebody could have been there to phone. say. By the way, you know, before you do anything, we we can't do this. But no, they just let you carry on and make and get to the end of the line. <laughs> I'm stressed out just thinking about it. He said, but the yeah. good news is, is you can post it tomorrow. That's when we're starting oh, to do okay, it. Yeah. And he kind of said it with a smile as if to say, aren't you lucky? Aren't you lucky? You can come back tomorrow and post this. Oh, my days. <laughs> to get that to get that back to CBDCs, even their whole concept is not thought out. Because if you mm. read the articles, if you look into that, they call it research. I mean, I imagine like 10 fuckfaces in a suit, probably older than 65 <laughs> years, sitting at a round table like, okay, let's see what the internet does today. Um, <laughs> they're thinking about capping how much CBDCs or how much coins essentially you can take out at 20 grand. I'm like, 20 grand? This is nonsense. What are all the businesses going to do? Because you don't have to be like a giant multinational gazillion billion dollar company. Regular shops with like two or three locations in London would have a problem with that amount because that's probably what you take in cash in and out all day to like pay for clients, pay for rent, do all of your regular bills. How's that going to work out? Because if you already have an infinite money printer, which is what a CBDC is at the end of the day, why would you cap it? So if you if you sit down and you start basically picking all of your puzzle pieces and putting them together, you'll end up realizing, holy shit, this thing is nowhere near finished. They're calling about 2030 here in the UK. And let's be honest, that would be like 2042. Yeah. Really? it forward to 2025 they want to rush this shit through oh wow that's just yeah i think the five years they want to rush you can add to the deadline right (laughs) yeah and also like you just got to look at the salary that they're paying this person i mean come on how do you expect to implement a, a financial system that's completely different to the one that we've got it it will literally rid all commercial banks and roll it out to every single citizen in the UK in three years on a salary of 60 grand. It sounds like an act of desperation in a way. Yes, it does. Right? But it's a global agenda. So this is why I think that the consultation um, on the Bank of England, they've been researching it for a long time. It is a crock of shit. I mean, I don't know why anyone thinks that. I mean, do you think if, if we basically lobbied everyone and got them to fill out the consultation form and say no to CBDCs, do you think that would make any difference? No. Of course so. not. Of course not. No. I know that. You know that. They know that. Yeah. Can we just stop playing games? I mean, yeah. like, I don't want to play these games. I just want some honesty. Yeah. When people say, I'll oh, say no to CBDCs, it's like, we, well, even if we did, that's not going to stop it. No. But, Education about Bitcoin mm-hmm. could be a good way to get people to peacefully opt out because if they know there's an alternative, yes, but they've got to understand that alternative. 
I mean, A, understand it and B, realizing like I love people like we, we had it on one of um, Ian's posts today where I had to reply because he was like, oh, no electricity, <laughs> no Bitcoin. I was like, you fucking mucker. A, you can send it via radio waves to like a memorized wallet in my brain. That works. It's a bit more yeah. cumbersome, but it works. Mm. And B, if we don't have any power and electricity in the whole world, believe me, Bitcoin will be the last thing you're going to worry about. Because right. every... Yeah, you still have Bitcoin because it uses stranded energy in remote places. It will be the only thing that works. You tell us, Susie. Yeah. Amen. We can we can we can tag we can tag Susie in. That's one of the things. And then one of the other things, God forbid, <laughs> if like no miner, no node runner, nothing would have electricity. Okay. For the first time in history, the second time in history, there was a short time in the earlier beginnings when the blockchain was launched. Um, there would be a time where at block whatever that happens the whole network would go down. And whenever we get one person in the network, or at that point, two person in the network, configuring it up again, the chain would start again. That's the idea behind it all, right? But if you have to explain this to like a fucking idiot on Twitter, who's obviously going in <laughs> with the mindset, like I've been taught something else in school, that's mm. where you, in these endless conversations where at the end of the day, no one takes a benefit out of that conversation. You but waste the time. What, it goes back to what Susie said stopping. earlier. Like some people get stuck in their, in, in their minds, in, in, in one way of thinking and they stick to that and they're not even open to even opening up their, their mind to other opportunities or, or something different, you know? No. And people that ask questions, I'm always very impressed with people that are curious and ask mm. me questions. Mm. Right. The, it's the people where you mention what you're doing and then they quickly move on. Mm. And I always measure somebody's character and their intelligence based on how inquisitive they are. Yes, yes. And I'm always quite shocked at how, like, so for example, right, after that GB News, I'll just give you an example, right, we've got every Friday night now, sometimes, well, we go down the pub with our neighbours and it's all very fun and da 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 and we're down the pub and uh, my neighbour was talking about the GB um, News interview and then uh, my other neighbour, John, sat down and went, oh, what have you been up to? And I was just like, oh, upsetting the government and he just went, oh. And he moved okay. on. <laughs> yeah. What oh, <laughs> you know, I don't know, Susan. I, I think uh, you know. I think that's a very kind of British response to something. Mm. It's like you know, keep calm, carry on. Don't ask too many questions. Sweep it all under the carpet. You know, move on. <laughs> something slightly uncomfortable. Something slightly uncomfortable or confusing. Mm, don't like it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just oh, about dear. to say, Susie, because I am originally from Switzerland and in the German speaking area of Europe, you would definitely have started the conversation because you would always <laughs> find that one idiot in a pub saying, oh, the government is a good thing. And then you would sort of clash all the time um, because one would always stop talking and the other one would continue bringing counter narratives. So I think it's definitely a British thing. Mm. But it's a good point you mentioned because I think that's one of the big dangers these central banks, people behind in charge don't realize People don't know what money is. How are you going to convince them in, let's say they want to launch it in 2025. They have it ready. That's two years from now, three years with the current year added on top. They would have to package the whole history of money into this. And as soon as people would realize what like fractional reserve banking is, how the modern monetary system works, wouldn't they at one point go like, and how the fuck is CBDC solving this problem? That would actually lead them more to like Bitcoin than it would it lead them to the CBDCs. Yeah, it will solve inflation. It's good for the environment. How else will they sell it? You know, there's yeah. all sorts of things that they think that they're going to sell it to the 
man on the street who's just going to be like, oh, that's good. Oh, we've got a yeah. problem. We've got a problem. And then and then it'll be it'll be a cost. Uh, solve the cost of living crisis and they'll just airdrop people money oh we've got a solution download this wallet and we'll give you some more money mm. okay it's it's i don't know it's so weird it's like won't people surely are, are people that fucking stupid out there yes they are oh like <laughs> surely like people be like hold on so we are getting rid of the our money and just generating and creating something out of thin air and calling that money um won't people like wouldn't that connect with people in some way and go hold on what we can just just change money at a whim and not yeah, actually think about it ian that would that would bring in the fact that someone would actually think stop for a moment and think hang on how is money being created currently because people don't think about yeah, but surely stuff. That money will, that, for that, them that, is, that will, that will create a, a question what is money right surely a lot of people might be sort of typing in what is money <laughs> yeah but then but then the whole censorship things kicks in with big tech because then can then control you what you use how many people use google oh, in this God, country yeah that's true probably 95 percent of them so you get yeah. that system playing along and for anyone listening calling this conspiracy theories fuck you at the Where's end of the day that's not yeah Everything is them hacking our brains, yeah. telling us exactly what it is that we should think. So, for example, I, I, I was listening to... For your to, benefit, for your safety. I was listening to um, LBC because I do like balance. I do like balance. And I was listening to James O'Brien, who okay. pisses me off, right? <laughs> Even though he's a lefty. But I think, no, I have to listen to him. I'm not going to switch him off just because I don't agree with him because I do make an effort to listen to people I don't Yeah, you've got to have a look at the landscape, yeah. And he was talking to a guy who was listening to Putin's speech. Uh, I think it was today. Yeah. And he was basically interpreting what he'd said. And he was saying that, unfortunately, the older generation in um, Russia uh, only rely on state media. So they mm -hmm. only hear what he says and they don't have a clue about what's going on outside of it. Mm -hmm. And everything that he described... It's the fucking that, BBC. <laughs> It was us. Yeah. Yeah, we're all sitting there going, yeah, those poor Russian people, they're being led up the garden path. And I'm thinking, but we've got state media. Yeah. 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 We've got exactly the same levels of control going on. Yeah. There's so much propaganda going out in the West. Uh, and there always has been. Um, it's a lot more now. There's a lot more government-driven uh, narratives uh, than there was um, five, ten years ago. Uh, I think it's becoming more and more obvious. Well, for me, because I'm in Bitcoin, but I think I think <laughs> I think people are starting to I think people are starting to sort of question the the narrative now slightly because um, you know people are under stress at the moment. Inflation's going up, the governments are falling apart. Um, so I think people are a little bit on the cusp of like, oh shit, you know, this could affect me at some point. I mean, in a span of 24, maybe 48 months, we went from breakfast is the most important meal of the day to, yeah, you yeah. just get breakfast to like save a it's couple fine. of bucks. What the yeah. fuck? Yeah, I know. And they spent they spent 20 years um, demonizing fat and replacing fat with sugar. And now we've got a massive obesity crisis. And now they're like, oh, maybe it wasn't so bad after all. And it's going to take another 20 years to mm. get that out of people's psyches. Mm. They're constantly um, screwing up. And affecting people's lives, but when as soon as you question it, you will get disowned by your family. Mm. 
Yeah. Told that you're crazy, that you don't know shit. Where are you getting this information from? And then when they're like, and then people try and discredit you. It's like, well, what sources are you reading? Where are you getting it from? And when you can't answer them straight away because you've read so much shit, you can't tell mm. them the exact freaking source that you read it from. It's like, ah. Yeah, yeah. You don't know. Like, I do know. I just can't answer that particular question. Yeah. Because I've read so much about it. So, Susie, with your articles in City AM, do you essentially work for City AM or were you just contributing? I just contribute. So every, every now and again, I'll, I'll send something in that I think is interesting. And um, if he likes it, he'll run it. Ian, just as a, as a small education, every newspaper, every media landscape, industry page in the world has a dropbox where you can literally send in stories and if they like it they'll print it for you it's not a big hack to get featured in a big newspaper no but it is when you're doing Talking something that's Bitcoin. not very mainstream yeah yes so, of course of course but ian, ian looked a bit worried like oh fuck that's that easy to get in it, yeah. it is yeah the thing is i know I've, I've, i deal directly with the editor so like okay, i'm quite okay. lucky so i have a relationship with the editor so for example with the second cbdc article um that I did um yeah I just I, I because he'd already run one I knew that he'd run the second one but the thing with um bitcoin is saving the environment because there's so much fud out there mm. about mm. mining and um the environmental impact of bitcoin the reason why these articles were such a big deal is because no other news outlet publishes anything that's highly researched and factually correct yeah it's it's almost it even though it's factually correct it turned itself into an op-ed probably <laughs> because like every other mainstream media land uh, uh, news site is coming out saying oh, that's not true and we only yeah. print it as an opinion piece or whatever mm. i was i was surprised to see it in city am i've got to be honest and as soon as i saw it i was like i, I text joel i was like joel have you seen in city am they've like the mainstream legacy media newspaper there's an article about the positive article about bitcoin and cpdcs mm. and this is how it's ended up speaking with you here today because we're like we've got to get you on Susie, um and talk about this but then you came uh you went on to gb news and it's just snowballed there from uh for you from there um what do, did you get any kind of feedback from the editor about what impact that had is there any way that they can measure an impact of an article in any way they must be able to he's just been so bloody cool because that um that that environmental piece absolutely blew up yeah and, and it imagine. must have had the most hits that any articles ever had in city am but he was so cool about it you know it was just like so there must be some appetite for this sort of information to go out there if it's blew up in this way. I think I think that's why he's he's receptive to my articles. So for any good writer in the UK, just submit Bitcoin articles to City AM. <laughs> Let's no, spam them. No, obviously not. I, I no. Well, the thing is, is I just I think the editor is a smart guy, mm. and mm. he knows his stuff. I just get the impression that he's he's highly intelligent. I wonder and if he's a Bitcoiner. <laughs> yeah, well, he works for Crypto AM, so he does. He does. He really does know. Mm, okay. He, he's on. He's on the money. Okay. And super smart, and so I think. Um, yeah, I think he gets it. I think it's quite significant that it went out. Um, in City AM because it's a free newspaper, isn't it? 
and it's uh, a newspaper that's distributed around the city of London, which is the city within London itself, the square mile, mm-hmm. which is like the yeah, financial. Yeah, mm-hmm. which this, and and the city is the financial district of of the it's UK. The it's the business district. Yeah. yeah. I mean, can we basically say that the city of London is kind of ruling over the UK because they got quite a big influence into the economy as well? Or is that too conspiracy theory? <sighs> I'd say so. That's a, that's a whole yeah. rabbit hole. But I think I think you're on the right lines, Joel. I think I think um, isn't am I right in thinking that maybe the city of London is a little bit of a tax haven because the finances are, are, mm-hmm. are dealt with slightly differently there? It's not dealt differently, but a lot of offshore hedge funds and a lot of he- offshore businesses. Yeah. What um, I do know, being an ex-police officer, by the way, Susie, um, um, the, the City of London police um, are half funded publicly and half funded by the businesses within the City of London themselves. So they're, they're, they're half a, or I don't know if it's 50-50, but it's, it's near enough um, financed, financed by the banks and the businesses within the city of London as well. So it lends me to, and it's always made me suspicious of that because like, if they're investigating financial crimes, how unbiased are you going to be investigating this sort of stuff? <laughs> so essentially you're paying off these police officers to turn a blind eye in certain things. Maybe I've got a tinfoil hat right now, but hey. <laughs> what the fuck's going on with that? I know, that's Seriously. mad, isn't it? It's like we're all sitting there going surely he's not going to get... Oh, we got away with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, oh. that's. I think... I'm not surprised that... Because um, if you're like a history buff and you look at Bitcoin from a historical context, Satoshi, if it was an individual, or I'm more on the side that it was a group, probably. Oh, well, what are you? Yeah, or that. I don't know. They pick their pieces, like it goes back to the 70s, the whole cyberpunk movement born out of that, cryptography, um, and it or they or whatever managed to sort of pick all the pieces together and build Bitcoin exactly out of the crisis where so much fraud happened. I mean, the 08 crisis, we still get movies to this day, books Mm. about it, showing, numbing it down for the everyday citizen to show, look how fucked up it was. And mm. none of them, I think like one banker, maybe two bankers went to jail for the whole thing mm. in the US. None, to my knowledge, in Europe. Um, and isn't it, isn't it almost ironic that like that much corruption was the birthplace for Bitcoin and essentially led into a weapon against potential mass surveillance? Because I think it's inevitable that surveillance is there. We're at like the digital age where everything is going on to a massive extent that they can control it. But we have an option to at least get some portion of it back with But you Bitcoin. don't think the timing was coincidental, do you? Because it, it couldn't have just spun up something like that in five minutes. I know that it it, it, it must have been planned I mean, for there's, a long, long time. I can imagine these... Uh, I'm just going by the statement that it could have been a group that let's just say Satoshi was a group for, for, mm. for this part of my thinking here. Um, they must have had some foresight because I remember, so because my mum is a banker and or used to be a banker. Um, and she told me back then that something is not going on right with mortgages. Sorry. What did she think of Bitcoin? It took me eight years to get her on board, but the pandemic finally helped <laughs> to get her <laughs> over that hump. Um, well. But I remember that I was little back then and she said, 
I'm not working in like mortgages and stuff, but something is off. Everyone is getting houses and I don't see the security in the system that everyone has enough collateral or enough money to get their houses. Um, so mm. I think a lot of people were suspicious. And I mean, if you look at like the Michael Burry's in the world, very mm. much intelligent people in their own field, maybe yeah. a bit psycho in other fields, um, people involved in that early Bitcoin movement or in that Satoshi group, or maybe Satoshi himself, if it was an individual, must have had a foresight. So I think it was planned. And definitely when like the bailouts happened, I mean, the 3rd January 09 with that message in the, in the, in the Genesis block, Obviously, it is ironic, um, but that they would nail it down to AT and launch it exactly after that crisis or during that crisis. Mm. I think that's a bit down to luck, but they inevitably were looking at it and were like, shit is going to explode. Mm. And we're just basically waiting for the moment to release it. I think well, that is something you can say. Yeah. I mean, you referenced it in the white paper, didn't he? All the mm. things that you hated about the current financial system and how this fixes that. So, yeah, he they were very aware of what was broken. But the timing of it, I think, may have been a bit lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So sort of like the doomsday, it says. It reminds me um, of pre, pre-financial housing um crisis i got a hundred and twenty percent mortgage that's mm. mad isn't it like you know Easy. that's mad 120 percent they over gave me over the value of the house just like that yeah. i just it was just like fr- yeah. and then yeah, yeah, because she said to me do you want more i was like yeah, i'm tempted like i can i can redecorate and do all this sort of stuff in my house because Ian, they could they could build a financial product with that twenty percent over leverage they gave you, and on top of that, sell more mortgages. They they were they were essentially selling shit out of shit. Up. Yeah, that, that's that's why it was so extreme. At one point, yeah, you right. could actually self certify. You, if you were self employed, you could sign a bit of paper saying I'm good for this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no checks. Yeah, and and do you know what? It was with Northern Rock. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that did not go well. <laughs> but oh, it, the way that um, all of our, like the education system set up, I mean, yeah. I remember back, well, I don't remember back in the 70s, wasn't born, but I know people who went to university back in the 70s, like aunties and uncles, and it really was for the kind of top academic people. I'm not going to say the most intelligent, just top academic, because intelligence comes in many, many different forms. And it was special. A degree Mm -hmm. was special. It's two a penny now. Yeah, uh, Tony Blair comes in and he wants... (laughs) He wants everyone to go to uni. Now, 54% of the population go to university and they start their little lives out in debt. Mm. Massive debt with an overinflated housing market. The the cost of living since the 70s has risen by 12 times. A salary has risen by five times. It's almost ironic, like they changed something in the 70s, right, to to cause that much. I wonder what that was. I wonder what it was. No, it's not because they came off the gold standard. It's because they buy Netflix and it smashed avocado. That's their problem. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, funnily enough you mentioned that because i have a lot of friends in that i think they're in their like second degree at uni like they finished their bachelors they're in the midst of the masters now maybe even the phds um and all of them are telling me like i save 50 quid this month by like not going to starbucks twice or, or eating my avocado toast i'm like that's not going to change a lot 
you you did the mistake by going to uni three times essentially for like a bachelor's a master's and now a phd that's the real issue if you want to spread a bit and you want to enjoy a nice breakfast go for it but the issue is not there but that's sort of the crazy thing how how they eventually progress people to think depth is good and just that extra toast in the morning uh you should really cut back on that And, and that is really the crazy thing once you see that absolutely yeah, I know. So, um, the mindset is it, it boggles my mind. I, I mean, I even say to my kids, I'm very deliberate when I say, if you choose to go to university, right? Because there's no way I want that to be a given. Mm. Mm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's not an, an expectation from the get go. It's something that no. they can do if they choose to do so. In fact, I would say that the best thing that I did was not going to university. I mean, for a long time during my career, I I actually hid it from people because I felt like it was a shameful thing. I left school when I was 15 and I went to work at McDonald's and I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I said to my mum and dad, don't make me go and do A-levels. I won't be good. I'll just be doing it for the sake of it. And by the time all my friends had come out of university, university, I hadn't done A-levels, I hadn't gone to uni. I had five years of work experience under my belt. That time I was training to be an accountant, going to evening classes. I had five years of work experience. I bought a house. I was a homeowner with a salary. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the journey wasn't that different. If you think about it, you did put in a lot of work to get there. Probably yeah. just as much as the people did at uni. Like you have to study and all of these things. More, That's essentially work as well, if, even if you don't more. get paid. Yeah, yeah. So if you go from like a risk reward situation, it's the exact same thing, but you get real world experience compared to what you get at uni, which at the end of the day, it's just, you got to learn this formula. And if you know it at that exact date for your test, you're golden, and then you hmm. move on in life. Like what kind of skill is that? Okay, you yeah. Skills. memorize stuff for a very That's short time but... really careful to say that you know there are different types of intelligence because mm. people like my daughter is excellent at school she's really good nothing like me at all I was a school dropout um the, re- the reason my husband came up with the the, the name decentrasus is because we went to school together and I was always a rebel um I was always getting I could never understand why the teachers would say and do certain things. I'd question them about it. They hated me. Out of 180 kids, it was me and two of the naughty boys that didn't get made prefects because they just couldn't handle me. I wasn't, and so and so. Rob said to me, literally about two or three years ago, he went, do you know what you are? You're the centrosus you are. You always have me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I am, aren't I? It's like I've found that kind of... You know, but but it was always discouraged, not by my parents, but by the system. It was mm. knocked out of you. You were, there was something wrong with you if you questioned things or, or wanted to know why. And I didn't fit in that world. I didn't fit in that. Co- I, I wasn't going to be a cog in that system. I never was. Connecting it now back to Bitcoin, Susie. Isn't that in a way how all of our Bitcoiners are? And I know there are also mm. academia Bitcoiners, but if you speak to them... Um, ah, oh, what's his name? I only know him by the Twitter name. Um, the environmentalist, the philosopher, bald-headed guy from the States. Troy. Is it Troy? Yeah. He's also very much engaging with Marco and everyone in, in that circle there. I mean, uh, he yeah, can't... Troy, yeah. Is it Troy? Okay. Uh, I just know that by the Twitter names and the profile pics. I never meant, I never get their names in my head. Um, but he's very much someone from that academia system. And he's not going to mm. like leave that out. 
Um, but also in his own way, probably in his circle, he's a weirdo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's sitting there like probably people are not eating lunch with him. And that leads them back to Bitcoin. So I think inevitably, even if we all had our misery, um, our misfortune, Bitcoin in a way connects us. And that's the mm. beauty of it all, right? So that's why we shouldn't judge if different opinions are out there. That's what actually makes Bitcoin stronger. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just all nodes in a network. Was it Jeff Booth who said that? Could be. So what, many what great was quotes. What, what was the story? We're all that. nodes making the network stronger. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, because was it him? I think it might be, yeah. It definitely I'm wasn't so Greg Foss. Confused. There would be a fuck in there somewhere if it was Greg. Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> Kids, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's for the kids, though, isn't it? That's the thing. Why else are we doing this if we don't want to change mm. the future for the next generation? You talk to your kids about it, about Bitcoin. Hundred percent. I, I mean, um, my daughter isn't as interested, mm. although sometimes she asks questions. But my son is really interested. He asks me a lot of questions, and he even did a presentation on it at school um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he wanted to. I didn't make him do it. He he actually stood up and did a presentation. That's brilliant. It was it was um I was really proud of him actually because um he taught he taught them. He taught he probably taught his teacher. I was just mm. about to say, how did it go down with the teacher? I was a little bit worried that they wouldn't do it, actually. Um mm. but but they they did and mm. um yeah. And and I got a lot. I got some amazing feedback. Actually, I posted it on Twitter, and I actually I posted the feedback that I got from the teacher on Twitter as well. Um, I like it. If you can find it and send it to me, I can link it in the show notes. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, I'll do. I'll do that. I'll do that at the end. Perfect. Then. Brilliant. Talking of ending, I think we better wrap it up because we've been ranting for a while now. It's been a bit of a ranty episode. I've loved it. Oh, really? <laughs> the, the energy has been great, and um, yeah, the conversation's been flowing and. Um, is there anything you wanted to mention or talk about quickly before we wrap it up, Susie? Or are no, you satisfied? Just thanks for having me. I'm sorry, sorry if I did go off on a rant. Sometimes oh, I just get okay. No, we love it. It encourages us to do the same. <laughs> I think every Bitcoiner goes on that rant, rant at least once a week. So. Oh, yeah, it's got to be done. <laughs> it's nothing new for most listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think the most important question is Susie, where can people find you? Sorry. Well, sorry. Up. What, you what did up. you say? Uh, where can people find you if they want to uh, know more about you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Decentrasus. Perfect, brilliant. And I think we'll or, or, um, or connect on LinkedIn if you want to. If you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm Susie Violet Ward. Google is talking to me. <laughs> there you go. I said, I said it. Big Tech is listening. See? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Susie's name is on a red list. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's me. I think actually somebody. Um, Somebody uh, uh, tweeted today, roses are red, violets are blue, um, the government are watching and they're watching you too or something right, like that. Okay. I think just because it's like any, anyone who puts their head above the parapet or, or, or speaks out about something, you always get that paranoia, don't you? You do. That you're on some sort of watch list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. We, we are probably definitely on, our cards are probably marked somewhere by the government, yeah. I'm sure. Susie, thank you once again. And uh, we look forward to maybe coming you coming back on another time in the future if you're open to doing that. And um, hopefully uh, we'll see you at a Bitcoin conference somewhere in the future as well. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to that and see you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure.